0: you live from the Douglas Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. A little later edition of the program today, but lots to get to on this Monday edition. Thanks for being along, whether live or on the podcast. I'm Logan. Taylor's here. Callum's here. Ben is here. It's a full room on this Monday edition. Uh, Coming up later on the show, we will check in with Ken Wiebe from Winnipeg, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Among the laundry list of NHLers on the move, potentially this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but we'll dive into the pierre luc Dubois-Winnipeg Jet situation, coming up with Ken Wiebe uh, later on this hour. Also, uh, Stamps report with Matty Rose coming up later today. Uh, the Stampeders falling to the Saskatchewan Roughriders in double OT at McMahon Stadium on Saturday night. They fall to 1-2 and two on the season, heading into a bye week. On week four, so we'll check in with Maddie to get the latest on the Stampeders. And it is uh, the NHL Awards tonight from Nashville. The NHL media has descended upon Bridgestone Arena for the awards ceremony tonight. The draft coming up on Wednesday. And our own Pat Steinberg is uh, among the media horde in Nashville right now. uh, Getting you set for the awards. He'll be at the red carpet ceremonies as everyone starts to make their way in. For the NHL Awards, which go tonight on Sportsnet. So we'll hear from Patty as he checks in uh, with whoever we can get his hands on. it's uh, The red carpet event is full of celebrities, NHLers from around the league, different executives, uh, all of those uh, types of people will be there. We'll see who Pat can wrangle, and we'll bring him on to the show uh, as the afternoon goes on. We'll also hear from Michael Backlund, the Lone Calgary Flame in Nashville, ahead of the NHL Awards. He is, of course, a finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, uh, recognizes community work uh, among the NHL's best, and uh, Backlund could join the likes of Jerome McGinley and Joe Neuendijk has just a couple of Calgary Flames that have won that award in the past. Pat had a chance to catch up with Michael in Nashville uh, to get the latest on how uh, Bax is feeling ahead of uh, the awards ceremony tonight and what it would mean for him and his family uh, who do so much great work in the city of Calgary. Uh, to come home with this award. So uh, lots to get to on the program, but let's start with what could have been one of the wildest weekends in NHL recent memory when it comes to player movement, but so far hasn't been. Where would you like to start? Would you like to start with trades that didn't happen? Trades that didn't happen because of cap circumvention issues. Trades that didn't happen because of no trade clauses. There was a little bit of everything from this weekend. Let's start with what did happen. Uh, nothing from the Calgary Flames, of course. That's where our our sights are set here on Sportsnet 960. Anything involving the Calgary Flames. We've been through it last week. The long list of players potentially leaning towards not returning to the Calgary Flames. You've heard the likes of Noah Hannafin, Tyler Toffoli. What are the situations like with others? Uh, Michael Backlund, uh, the rest of the group, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zdorov, all of those. Still up in the air, but uh, so the Flames are quiet as of now. The rest of the league was not. What did happen over the weekend in case you missed it? Well, plenty happened. Uh, The Colorado Avalanche making a big splash. They acquire Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators with 50% contract retention for the next two seasons. In return, Nashville receives the rights to Alex Galchenyuk already reports that they are not planning on retaining Galchenyuk as a UFA. Uh, so essentially just a cap dump for the Nashville Predators and Barry Trotz, who is coming in to the GM spot in Nashville. While well, the Colorado Avalanche hope Ryan Johansson can be the answer to their number two center quandary that was created ever since Nazem Kadri left after winning the Stanley Cup and joined the Calgary Flames. The LA Kings, you'll hear a lot about them. Potentially going forward. They were busy on the weekend as well. They swapped a 2022, a uh, 2024, excuse me, second round pick with the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for defenseman Sean Dersey. So Dersey to Arizona, joining the young D core there that includes former Flame Yusuf Valimaki. Uh, the LA Kings picking up a second round pick in next year's draft and a deal that just got finished up today. Another salary cap move, but one to perhaps bolster the future. For Chicago, the Blackhawks, who are full of opportunity, roster space, cap space, they use some of that today in a deal with the Boston Bruins, who are right up against the NHL salary cap. Taylor Hall and Nick Felino, the rights to Nick Felino, who's a pending UFA uh, before July 1st, are on their way to Chicago in exchange for Ian Mitchell and Alec Ragula, uh, two minor league players out of the Chicago system. Taylor Hall, of course, former MVP, former Edmonton Oiler, New Jersey Devil, Arizona Coyote, playing more of a third-line complimentary role in Boston, but priced out as they try to retain the likes of Tyler Bertuzzi this offseason. But for Chicago, an opportunity to bring in a highly experienced former high-draft pick of himself to perhaps play alongside Connor Bedard, who we are anticipating to be the first overall pick On Wednesday in Nashville. So Taylor Hall. With two years remaining. On a uh, contract with season paying $6 million. Per season on the AAV. Just 31 years old. Left winger had a modified no trade clause. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks were not on that trade list. And uh, therefore he didn't have to approve this deal. And he automatically becomes the second highest paid player. On the Chicago Blackhawks roster as of today behind only Seth Jones, who has that massive contract that pays him $9.5 million per season for the foreseeable future on the Blackhawks' blue line. So those are the trades that did happen. What about the trades that didn't happen? And this is where things get really interesting. We get to dive more into one of these uh, that hasn't happened yet with Ken Weeb coming up later this hour. Pierre-Luc Dubois appears to be on the move from Winnipeg. That's not news. He's wanted out of Winnipeg for a while now. It seemed as though things on the weekend were trending towards Pierre-Luc Dubois heading to the LA Kings in a package that floated somewhere around the lines of Alex Ayafalo, perhaps Gabe Velarde being part of the package that returned to Winnipeg. Um, Ken Weeb, who I said we're going to talk to in a bit here, reporting that perhaps in a deal with LA you could see someone like Jansen Harkins Heading back to the LA Kings as part of that deal with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Apparently, as that got closer, another bidder for Pierre-Luc Dubois has upped their offer. And we may have a bidding war on our hands. That would be the Montreal Canadiens. Long thought to be the main destination for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, We had Eric Engels on last week. He said he would expect Montreal to go hard after Pierre-Luc Dubois. Thought that was going to be a priority for them to potentially pair... Nick Suzuki, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and even Kirby Doc down the middle in Montreal for the foreseeable future. And since Montreal has gotten back into this thing, things have sort of stalled as to where we are with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Seems right now it's stuck between L.A. and Montreal. And obviously for Winnipeg in a tough situation, you're going to try to figure out whatever the best deal is. So perhaps a bidding war, but certainly one to watch over the next couple of days as we get closer and the GMs, the scouting staffs, everything uh, convened towards Nashville. We'll see if a Pierre-Luc Dubois deal gets done in the coming days or perhaps waits till draft day on Wednesday. Another team considerably busy over the weekend, but didn't actually get anything done, the Philadelphia Flyers. They've been involved in a couple of trades this offseason already and were apparently on the verge of a monster deal with the St. Louis Blues, but that got hung up by a no-trade clause currently held by Blues defenseman Tory Krug and has apparently taken the wind out of the sails of this deal and as of right now we really haven't heard much on it. We heard this morning that perhaps there was some sort of movement from Tory Krug in his camp when it came to his no trade clause uh, but that was earlier this morning on Monday and here we are as the day is getting into the evening hours and we haven't heard any more progress when it comes to Tory Krug or that Blues Flyers deal. There were names flying all over the place on this deal. Uh, I No one seems to be able to track down exactly what it looked like. We figured Krug was going to be a piece. We know Kevin Hayes was likely to be a piece. Um, but there were words of perhaps Justin Falk's name was in there. Was Braden Shen's name in there? Uh, what were the Flyers giving up in this deal? That was a, a big question. It was rumored to be a long list. List of players perhaps from both teams uh, as early as Saturday midday when this trade was being consummated and uh, it's fallen off to the side right now. The Philadelphia Flyers going through a massive team rebuild right now. Daniel Briere, their GM has been ultra aggressive since getting that interim tag taken off and one to watch as the draft continues here is whether or not St. Louis and Philadelphia can still hammer out the details of this. It sounds like it's gone down Considerably in size and format since Tory Krug put the stop sign on it with his no trade clause, but things can change. Teams, you know, generally find ways to to get around those no trade clauses. There were rumors that perhaps Danny Breer and the Flyers were going to uh, try to accommodate Tory Krug with a trade to flip him to another team that he'd be more amicable to going to. As of right now, None of that's happened. Another Flyers trade that was rumored over the weekend but has been stopped, potentially this time by the NHL, is Tony D'Angelo back to the Carolina Hurricanes. Now this is one uh, to monitor because uh, Tony D'Angelo, a former member of the Carolina Hurricanes, this one being held up by some language uh, when it comes to trading a guy back to a team on retained salary. Uh, and the team that signed the contract within the year. Now, the GM that signed the deal for Tony D'Angelo no longer in Philadelphia. So the Flyers and Hurricanes don't see this as a reason to hold up the deal. It's uh, a lot of CBA language that, um, you know, they don't want teams circumventing the salary cap by simply trading a guy back to a team with, with salary retention in this. It certainly sounds like Carolina's. More than okay bringing back D'Angelo, who had a strong tenure in Carolina, but was simply a cap casualty. Uh, This time with Philadelphia, like we said, really taking everything down to the studs for a rebuild. Uh, Tony D'Angelo at a retained salary makes a lot of sense for Carolina. Uh, Sounds like a minor league prospect would be going back in that deal, but as of right now, that one not officially done. The league office trying to figure out uh, if they can let that one go with retained salary or not. So lots to look forward to. It's been a crazy 24, 48 hours across the NHL. And like we said, everybody now descending on Nashville. The awards are tonight. The Norris, the Vesna, the Smythe. Oh, not the Smythe. The Consmite's already been handed out. It's the one that's been handed out already. But the rest of them still happening tonight. The Calder is up. Will Owen Power win it? Is it Stuart Skinner? Matty Beneers? Uh, you can watch all the NHL awards go down from Nashville tonight. <laughs> Uh, starting at 6 o'clock Calgary time across the Sportsnet television side of things. Again, for the Calgary Flames side, just one player uh, involved in those discussions around the NHL awards. It is Michael Backlund, uh, Pat Steinberg in Nashville. Lucky enough to catch up with Backs for a couple of moments to talk to him about uh, this award, what it means to him and his family, and how nice it would be uh, if he is called to win the King Clancy tonight. Here's uh, a little bit earlier today from Nashville, Michael Backlund speaking with our own Pat Steinberg.
1: Tell us about who's here with you, because first of all, that's got to be the coolest part, being able to uh, bring some family down and, and be able to share this whole thing with some important people, hey?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to have uh, my wife Fira here, and uh, my dad uh, He's here as well. So it's been a good trip so far, and uh, it's been fun showing them Nashville. And Yeah, it's uh, always fun to share special moments, the close ones, and um, I mean, Sweden would have been close to it, probably would have brought more people, but uh, yeah, so it uh, could have brought a lot of people that were very special to us, but uh, it's nice to have freedom and dad here.
1: So you, we talked to you a few weeks ago, and you were about to head home to Sweden, you brought everybody back, and then you get a call a few weeks later, and here you are back in Nashville. So it's been a lot of back and forth. What, uh, how is how's, how's it feeling? How has it been being back there and then back in North America in such a short period of time?
2: Yeah, it's definitely different. I um, haven't done this since like when I was drafted when I had to go to combine draft uh, development camp and then Lake Placid, it was back and forth. But now I'm just happy this time. It's just me and Frida and not the kids. Uh, yeah. I mean, we miss them, but I don't want them to have to go through the jet lag again. It's, uh, it takes for them for Oliver. It took about eight days for him to really settle into Swedish time. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to leave them behind, but. Um, but yeah, it was good to be home for a little bit and uh, see some family, friends, enjoy our house, and had a quick trip to Spain with my friends, my buddies, oh, yes. and um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, so after this, it'll be nice to get home and kind of have a little more, more
1: relaxed time in Sweden. What uh, What does this all mean to you? Being here, representing the Flames, and being honored for all that you've done in Calgary and, and Southern Alberta, and what does this all mean to you?
2: Oh, I it mean, it's a lot. I'm. Really excited to be here in Nashville and to be to be around all these the elite. Uh, being participating in awards is very special. Something you know when you're a kid, you always thought it was very cool. With the awards and um, just to get the call to come here, it's really special. And then to be na- nominated for such a n- nice award, uh, it's I feel very humbled and honored to be nominated and in um, um, great company as well. So um, yeah, it's and it's also. You know, a good time. To, you know, that brings up some attention to my charities. Yeah, uh, back in Calgary, and um, yeah, so it, it feels uh, feels
1: very special to be here for sure. So the when, when did you? Because you knew you were a team nominee. How did you find out you were going to be one of the three finalists? Uh,
2: Peter and Amanda called me, and uh, well, I had to really. You know, when I did the last interview with you, I, yeah. I kind well, of... So you knew that. Yeah, I knew, but I wasn't... You know, I had to keep it down. I had a
1: pretty good idea, but...
2: Yeah, I... Uh, so it was hard uh, not to t- tell you guys, but... <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, yeah, they called me uh, that week. I think it was a couple, a few days before. Okay. Um, so I had to keep it on the quiet for like five days or something like that, five or seven days. And um, yeah, I mean, I... N- during May here when I went to the ring to work out a little bit, I saw Peter and Amanda a few times and they're like we're really like hoping we think it's a really good chance you're gonna get to go to Nashville. I'm like, Yeah, we'll see, you know. I don't take anything granted and and then when they call we're just really excited. Um, just yeah, super excited that we got an opportunity to be here and and uh yeah, just like I said, be, be around all the
1: best players in the league and yes. uh share this moment. You don't ever Start doing things like what what you've done with the ALS Society for Alberta and Special Olympics and all. You don't you don't start doing that for recognition, but to see that it has been recognized and and people have taken notice and your peers have taken notice. What is what does that mean to you? You
2: yeah, know, it, it feels special. Um, but like you said, it's not why I do it and why I start doing it. Uh, I just really want to help people and uh, uh, something I you know, in a selfish way, enjoy, make me feel good to help other people, uh, to, to make them feel better or whatever it can be. And, uh, um, it, but yeah, it's a very, very special to be here and to be nominated for this award. Um, get that recognition to be a good person is never a bad thing. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, like I said, I never expected or thought of it, you and then last few years, I've been nominated for, uh, from the team, and start think about it a little bit. Maybe I get to go. And but like I said, I uh, never expected it. Or
1: uh, so it's really cool to be here. Take a look at the Flames who have won this before, whether it's Jerome or Joe Duenek, and it's a long list of, of guys who have won it. What what does that mean to be able to carry that tradition on for the Flames? Yeah, it's
2: great. Uh, there's some really uh, great people. Um, and the really good hockey players too but especially really good people that take done a great job in the community of calgary and you know when i came into calgary jerome was one of the guys that i looked up to uh, and uh, you could tell how much he did in the community and i wanted i looked up to him and i wanted to do the same thing and um just like reggie and geo as well and some other guys as well, as well they were all doing their parts and
1: uh, so for me it was easy to see what they were doing and start doing it myself do you do you know right now? You you won't know if you've won until later, right? Or do you already have an idea? That, no, I'm like, no okay, okay. No clue. So no. You're, not, you're not keeping that one. You're not keeping no, that I one promise. under promise. I promise. Okay. I'm not lying. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I won't. I think I won't find
2: out until I, until I sit there okay. and I call out with the winner.
1: Have you uh, have you figured out if you if you do win? Like, do you have a speech written? How does that work?
2: Yeah, I, I talked a bit about Peter Allen. Um, he sent me. He sent me some thoughts and, but also me and Frida went through a little bit and nice. you want to be prepared but I'm not going to bring up a sheet or anything I want to be natural uh, but I have been thinking about it and I want to be well prepared and I want to be natural so I haven't overdone it uh, I want to use simple words yeah. uh, this, this is my second language and if I get nervous I don't want to be up there and not know what to say so it's like just natural stuff that I came up with and uh, with some help Frida and Peter and um, yeah, so I'm sure I'll be nervous if it happens, and hopefully I can complete the speech that I was
1: hoping to do. The uh, you're you're around all the the other NHLers, and you've talked about that a couple of times. Just being around all these other high end guys, what what has that been like?
2: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I haven't since we're staying in a different hotel. I haven't seen a ton of them, but I went to uh, meet a little bit yesterday and uh, got to meet some of the guys and. It's always fun to catch up the guys off the ice, and there's some guys here that I know, uh, obviously Chucky, and a couple of Swedish players, uh, Mark and Eric Holson that I played with before, and um, yeah, and some new new faces, uh, you know, I got to say hi to and introduce myself to, and so it's always fun to meet other players um, off the ice.
0: That is Michael Backlund with Pat Steinberg in Nashville from earlier today. Backlund up for the King Can- King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Find out later tonight uh, if he takes home that award. Several other Flames, like Jerome McGinley, Joe Nguyen, just to name a couple, have uh, won that for their time in Calgary as well. Uh, We'll have more from Nashville. As the afternoon continues, Pat Steinberg is in Nashville. He's on the red carpet uh, ahead of tonight's NHL Awards. He's talking with anybody he can get his hands on. We'll dive into some of Steinberg's interviews as the afternoon continues, but... We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll bring in Ken Wiebe from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca with the latest from Winnipeg. What is happening with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Do the Winnipeg Jets have a bidding war on their hands between the Montreal Canadiens and the LA Kings for the services of Pierre-Luc Dubois? And will this just be the beginning of a very busy offseason in Winnipeg? We'll get to all of that with Ken Wiebe coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. It was a busy weekend of NHL transactions, and we expect it to continue to be that way as we head into the draft on Wednesday. The NHL Awards taking place tonight at Bridgestone Arena. Trades finishing up. Signings being done, and one of the biggest storylines from the weekend, a trade that didn't get done, but uh, potentially has an extra shooter in there now, the Winnipeg Jets and Pierre-Luc Dubois appear that they're coming towards ahead on a deal that will send Pierre-Luc Dubois out of Winnipeg, where he winds up, though, still to be determined after an interesting weekend of rumors that seemed as though he was heading to the LA Kings, but then had the Montreal Canadiens re-engage, uh, it's still one of the biggest storylines as we uh, converge on Nashville for the next couple of days for NHL news. And to help us dive into that and to dive into what's next for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome in from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Uh, it's Ken Weeb joining us this afternoon. Ken, thanks as always for the time, sir. How are you?
3: Doing very well, Logan. Thanks for having me. I thought you might bring me in with the Tom Petty waiting. The waiting <laughs> is the hardest part. A uh, lot of sitting by the laptop the last uh two
0: days here (laughs) yeah I was just gonna say coming in here if you you have to jump off because something happens we'll understand because we've kind of been in that that waiting mode since the weekend it sure seemed like we were heading towards uh, an LA Kings destination for Pierre-Luc Dubois but seems like the Montreal Canadiens wanted to take one last stab at this can you let us know kind of where you're sitting as this Pierre-Luc Dubois situation seems to unfold finally for Winnipeg
3: yeah, I mean, just I would imagine that it's still L.A. unless the Jets get their socks blown off by a kind of Hail Mary last-minute offer. But uh, to this point, the best offer has been made by the L.A. Kings. Uh, that's one, I think, with the centerpiece being Gabe Velarde. There obviously are a few other pieces. Uh, Alex follow has been mentioned. I think there will be one other piece. Is it possible that it's Victor Arvidsson, given his uh, contract with one year left on it? I'm not 100% sure. There have been some speculation might be one more younger forward. Uh, coming this way, I, I don't know if it's a, a prospect or a, a future player. You know, I think there's a possibility that the second rounder of this year, the 54th overall, that could be in play. The Jets don't have a second rounder this year. So th- those would be among the principles. But, I mean, Velarde obviously a player of interest. I know a lot of people wondering what Quinton Byfield. I don't think the Kings are ready to uh, give up on him in a deal right now. So I think Velarde will be the centerpiece if this gets to the finish line. Ah, uh, Jets would be. I think including Jansen Harkins, and I mean, a lot. Of, it's not a big name, obviously, but Jansen's a guy who was a second-round pick. And for a team like LA that uh, is t- tight to the cap ceiling, Harkins at I think eight fifty is a is a solid bet. I mean, he could be your twelfth or thirteenth forward in the right situation. Plays fast, um, and if it doesn't work out, then you know he's on waivers. And worst case, he's a depth player uh, in the AHL. But I think he would fit Todd McClellan's system. And if, if there's another piece involved, it's certainly possible as well. The Jets have a bunch of defensemen they need to start moving. So not 100% sure about the pieces on the periphery, but I think the reason why it's taking so long, and I mean, it's natural. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois will need a new contract. And mm-hmm. uh, as our colleague uh, Elliot Friedman said this morning on the uh, 32 Thoughts podcast, there's some, you know, maybe uh, the outside chance maybe Dubois takes a one-year deal and then signs the the max deal after... You know, Andre and Kopitar probably signs a new deal that's not making ten million dollars. So, uh, is there a risk involved in that? Sure, but I mean, I think the the, the holdup right now would be on getting an extension uh, before things get tightened up. But in terms of Montreal, uh, just everything that I've heard, I, I have not, I don't have the indication that they've made an offer that would uh, make the Jets uh, move. I believe I would say I don't think that Ken Hughes is uh, certainly playing poker, and to this point, he has not made a. Uh, I, either the jets are now calling his bluff or he hasn't made an offer substantial enough for them to secure the deal uh, obviously dubois has been linked to montreal for a long time dating back to last year's draft but uh, right now i think he's also open to la and you know the proof will be in the pudding shortly but uh to this point i have no reason to believe that he won't end up in la unless there's a snag in the contract negotiation element and Uh, Yesterday, I don't believe that the Kings had permission to negotiate with Dubois. I don't know if that's changed today, but I would imagine that if the deal gets to the point where they've agreed to the parameters, then naturally there's going to have to be a window, uh, or at least it would be to the Jets' benefit probably, to supply that window in order to get the deal over the finish line. But the thing for me, I think we'd all like it to happen quickly, but if there's not going to be a first-round pick included, and the Kings don't have one in the first round this year our artificial deadline may not be the same as the two teams that are just talking right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if this lines up with what you've heard, Ken, because I've heard a couple of different insiders mention that perhaps the difference between a Montreal deal and an LA deal was more of a current add to the, to the Winnipeg Jets roster that perhaps Montreal wasn't willing to give up as many off of their roster players right now as perhaps LA was willing to. Is that something that, vibes with what you've heard over the last couple of days too
3: yeah i mean i'd even boil it down even further logan by saying if, if the montreal canadians were including kirby Doc as a potential piece of the deal i think maybe their offer would be viewed as stronger but mm. uh in terms of what i mean i think they're trying to package a deal around Dvorak, which is more of a salary dump for montreal i mean yeah. could he still play in the league and i mean if the jets are going to lose their top two centers Dvorak could help them but he can't be the centerpiece of a deal and uh, I never thought that the fifth overall would be in play, but, I mean, the pick later on in the first round would be something the Jets would have been interested in. But, uh, yeah, I guess right now I just I, I didn't hear that they were offering the level of player required. In the current situation, that would match uh, Gabriel Velarde. Uh, I would say that's probably the biggest impediment uh, right now. And, hey, I mean, I get it. Kirby Dock developed beautifully under Marty St. Louis last year so. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Ken Hughes, I think, always viewed it as it was Montreal or bust for, the, for Dubois. And now that there were other suitors, I mean, now you've got to either decide how much you are willing to part with in order to get him on your roster as a French-Canadian star. But at this point, it, to me, it looks like it sounds like, as you mentioned, I think the the current and maybe the future assets were probably higher in the package that is you know, reportedly being offered by L.A., which is what we expect.
0: So knowing that this deal isn't done yet, Ken, and there will be details that, that change from this at all, but if I were to say to you 24 or 48 hours ago that the Jets were going to get back a deal centered around Velarde and say Aya follows the name that I've heard a ton around that you have as well, would you be, as a Jets fan, you think that that's going to be a, a deal that the Jets fans can live with, that Kevin Dayoff can be happy with a return on Pierre-Luc Dubois? Knowing, and again, I know it's it's very hard to ask that, knowing that there are... Extra pieces probably on both sides. But if that was the basis of a deal, do you think the Jets come out okay in this?
3: Well, Logan, I would say that it's not going to make them forget uh, the Patrick Line element of the deal that uh, started the whole series of events. But uh, in terms of the leverage situation, the Jets being in a situation where they looked like they had very limited leverage, Uh, to be able to pull back a player like Velarde, you know, an 11th overall pick in 2017, a guy who scored 23 goals last year as a 23 year old had 41 points. Uh, You know, he doesn't fill the hole at center, but you know, he has played some center, but he's probably better suited to play the wing. Uh, But high character guy, you know, big, strong guy, 6'3", 215. Uh, He'll bring a bunch of elements the Jets don't have. So uh, I would say it's a little bit more complex given the nature of, you know, Patrick Liney and Jack Rozovic going the other way in the original deal with Columbus. But in terms of what was being offered or what was available right now, uh, I would say that Kevin Cheveldayoff will do pretty well for himself if that's the package. And the thing with IFL, the, the Jets would have some, you know, background knowledge on him. Uh, Neil Pionk, their defenseman, and a couple of guy, depth guys like Carson Kuhlman. And Dominic Tonolato played with him in college at the University of Minnesota, Duluth. So uh, I would think that, you know, I have a guy who's been a really good playoff performer as well. So I think it's he's not just a throw in as a, you know, salary cap dump for the L.A. Kings, even though they have to make room, he'd be a, you know, capable piece for the Winnipeg Jets as well. So, I mean, I would say it's. Uh, better than average, I would say. He he would be doing fairly well if that's the kind of player, provided Velarde stays healthy, right? You know, he's had injury concerns in the past, but when healthy, he can be a very productive player.
0: Uh, of course, now the other names in play for Winnipeg start to come up towards the the top of the list as we believe a Pierre-Luc Dubois deal gets closer to being done. And uh, our colleague at Sportsnet.ca, Luke Fox, caught up with Connor Hellebuck and... Uh, he's got the latest piece up at sportsnet.ca. What did you take from Luke's chat with, with Connor and, you know, sort of where his head is at as we head into this busy portion of the NHL season?
3: Yeah, interesting. I mean, Connor uh, reiterated a lot of things he said at his exit exit meeting, I would say. But, uh, you know, I would also say, too, in the last couple of days, Logan, I've been hearing, you know, unless the offers increase or improve for guys like Connor Hellbuck and even Mark Scheifele, uh, there is a scenario where both of those players could start the season with the Winnipeg Jets next year, and then you know you either see how things are going prior to the deadline or those guys could be used as self rentals. but uh, that's not to say they can't be moved, but uh, based on you know what have been here in the last couple of days, I think there's people around the league who believe the Jets could open the season with those guys on their roster. Uh, in terms of Hellbucks headspace, no surprise. I mean he's not a guy who reveals an awful lot. Uh, do I believe he hasn't thought about his future this summer? No, I do not. Uh, I don't think that it preoccupies his mind. And I do believe that he leaves the, most of the heavy lifting to Ray Petcal that uh, he also would be well in tune with uh, what he would be looking for in his next contract, which we believe will be somewhere in that Andre Vasilevsky range. And he would also be letting his agent know where he would be willing to potentially sign an extension. So. I think the goalie market will pick up, and yes, there are some capable goalies on that market. But I believe all the uh, you know all of the words we've been hearing about how it's saturated and flooded, and no one wants to pay the price tag. If you're a team that's trying to win, you're going to make an offer for one of the best goalies available. Uh, I would say he's the best goalie available right now. So I do think that the talks will pick up around Hellebuck, but um, I don't see it being a you know I don't think anything is imminent on that front. I guess even though. Teams like the New Jersey Devils uh, look like a pretty natural fit for him, but, you know, given the Timo Meyer situation, maybe they can't afford the next part of the contract. They certainly could absorb the 6.17, but, you know, maybe you can't absorb the 9 or 10.
0: Uh, You mentioned it there quickly that, you know, Mark Shifley is another guy in this same sort of scenario as we head to this busy part. There will be no doubt teams looking at at Mark Shifley and thinking, wow, if I can get him – for a year at six point one and go off of there and perhaps you know worry about the UFA status next that it's still an interesting option. What what's your feel as far as Winnipeg goes? Because we're talking massive changes for this team if Hellebuck, Dubois, and Shifley were to go, would it surprise you if all three were to go? Would it you know stun you if uh, you just said wouldn't surprise the organization if a couple of those names were back? But I'm curious maybe on the Shifley front more than anything if that's uh, a name that's more likely to stay or go in your mind.
3: Yeah, it's certainly interesting, and I, and I would say the deal made by the Bruins that you referenced uh, off the top for Taylor Hall, I mean, that clearing that $6 million uh, will open up a window, and the Bruins do need to fill at least one center role and potentially two if Bergeron and Krejci both retire. So uh, is it a little easier to look at that long term now? Yes, I think the Detroit Red Wings would be one of the under-the-radar teams. They have cap space. I mean, obviously, Mark Sider will need a new deal very shortly here as well, but... Uh, you know they, they're the type of organization that could afford either one or potentially even both of Shifley and Hellebuck. I just don't think that Steve Eisman wants to ship out a whole bunch of assets uh, prior to maybe taking a run at those guys in free agency if that's what he ends up wanting to do. Um, the reason why I say he could start the year is, is, I mean, Shifley, I think they were Jets were taking calls on him last summer, and I don't think they got blown away by any of the offers. And you know, this is a guy who should be in demand. He had 42 goals last year, and that was on the heels of. Six consecutive point per game plus seasons in the NHL, so he uh, he provides some qualities that all teams would be looking for. Uh, you know, no, he's not a silky candidate defensively and needs some work on that front. But uh, production and goals are a pretty common a premium at the NHL level. So I think that if the Jets are going to move him, they're going to want a quality asset in return. Uh, you know, and probably a draft pick as well. Like he'd be, him and Hellebuck would be their best chances to get a second pick in that first round uh, in Nashville here on Wednesday. But Uh, We'll see
0: how that goes as well. Uh, Ken Weeb's along with us, Sportsnet, sportsnet Sportsnet.ca, covering all things Winnipeg Jets and uh, a couple of division rivals were uh, as busy as anybody this potential weekend. Were you surprised to hear all the buzz that we heard this weekend before the draft? I know we usually wait for the draft floor and for all 32 GMs to meet up in whatever respective draft city we get there. But I know the Philly deal with St. Louis kind of fell through and we were waiting to see D'Angelo perhaps move as well there in the Pierre-Luc Dubois one we've said move from the weekend to this week but uh were you surprised just how busy the the NHL GMs were over the last 48 hours Ken
3: no not really Logan I mean a lot of these conversations the seeds would have been planted a lot of them at the combine already you know yes we always wait for the draft week but I think there's a lot of whenever people are there are a lot of people in the same place I think a lot of those conversations begin to germinate and I think there's always somebody looking to make a preemptive strike like Chris McFarland did staying in the central uh, division. I mean, for a team that had been, you know, JT Comper did a really good job in that second line role, but he was their third line center when they won the cup. And, you know, they didn't replace their production of the 87 points that Nazem Kadri had uh, in that last year before joining the Flames. So... Brian Johansson is a super interesting bet. Uh, I love the fact that they got him at half price. He'll be a highly motivated player. He's great on faceoffs. He's been a highly productive player. Bit of a down year last year. Shooting percentage was down. But he's a guy who, when he goes to a new like when he went to Nashville, he really immediately gave him a jolt. So I expect that being around guys like Rantanen and McKinnon, I think that Johansson's going to be an excellent fit there. And the fact that, uh, they found a $4 million player in a year where Nathan McKinnon's new extension will be going into effect, was a really smart piece of business in the Central, and uh, Nashville got themselves a little bit more salary cap space, and as I wrote in my Weebs World Sunday column, Logan, I think that the Blues are going to be a team to watch here this week, uh, this week uh, with the three first-round picks. I don't expect them to make all three. I think one of them would have been included if they had pulled off that deal uh, for Kevin Hayes and Travis Sanheim, but... Uh, I expect them to pick a 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the only first rounder they they, they pick as long as they get the uh, assets in return that they're looking for. Otherwise, they'll be happy to make the three picks like uh, Calgary did a few years ago and same with Boston.
0: Uh, speaking of the draft, uh, Jets at 18 right now. It feels oddly similar probably to the conversations we've been having here in Calgary where I have no idea what exactly the draft looks like past one and i know there's going to be good talent right around that 16 to 18 mark i guess it's just sort of a waiting game to see what happens on on wednesday for kevin Cheval. day off are there a few names that have floated around the winnipeg area as to who the jets may be interested in when that comes on wednesday uh sometime in the evening ken
3: yeah for sure i'm thinking that there's a lot of the same names you've been talking about with uh with aaron <laughs> vickers and west and, yeah. and the rest of the media crew there i believe uh you know, whether it's a Nate Danielson or a Braden Jaeger, uh, you know, those, Otto Stenberg, those, those guys, Stenman, I think those are those are guys that uh, really would be on the radar. I don't think that Tom Melinder will be there. Maybe he might be there for Calgary, but I don't think he'll be there at 18. Uh, lots of, you know, lots of different variety packs here, and we always know that, you know, there's tons of mock drafts, and all of them are very well-researched, but ultimately there's a lot of people that get paid very big dollars to provide those lists, and they're not always the same as uh, – the list in those mock drafts so I think it'll be fascinating to see where they go I think the Jets will go skilled forward I mean especially if they're you know definitely going to be losing Dubois and could be losing Shifley whether it's in a trade or at the end of the season uh, similar to Johnny Goodrell uh, and his departure so I would expect them to go skilled forward I mean they've gone to the U.S. program before uh, I'm not sure if Oliver Moore will be there lots of mocks I've been seeing have them a little bit higher than 18 so uh, sort of going to have to adjust to what's going on ahead of them and. It'll be uh, fun to see where, where things kind of land because they're both, I think, <laughs> Craig Conroy and Kevin Sheveldayoff will be running to that podium depending on uh, who could drop to them. And, that, and that's the other thing about the Jets. So They've been uh, beneficiaries of guys like Chaz Lucius uh, and Klo Perfetti falling here in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm not sure if they're going to get a, a, a faller or a riser or you know maybe someone that's just in the range that uh, we've been projecting here in that 15 to 20 range so either way it sounds like they'll get a good player I would imagine it's a skilled forward and uh, they certainly could use some size uh, to go with that skill as well
0: uh, and last but not least Ken is uh, we're back on a regular NHL schedule the draft will wrap up and before we know it free agency is here on Saturday is there any UFA business that Kevin Chevelday off uh, has to get done before Saturday in your mind
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they'd like to keep Vladislav Nemesnikov around. But, I mean, if you're Nemesnikov, I think as much as you'd like the stability uh, in what's sort of being paraded around as a little bit of a a weaker class, you probably want to listen to, if you've waited this long, you want to listen to what else may be out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, he had some great chemistry with Nikolai Ehlers uh, and has, you know, nose rig bonus back to the Dallas days where he went there as a deadline addition. So I would think they'd like to get him signed, but they might have to wait. Uh, I think, you know, Corpusalo is a guy who I mentioned, maybe his rights are in that deal with LA, I don't know. But if LA hasn't signed him by now, I mean maybe they're just waiting to clear the money. But if they're not if he's not in their plans, I think he would be a, a good good plan B if they have to move Hellebuck. Uh other than that, you know, they just have a couple of restricted free agents. I think guys like Morgan Barron and uh and Dylan Samberg and Kevin Stemlin. So I don't see them as you know, they don't have a lot of pressing business, but uh, depending on how things go they still may be shopping uh, maybe they're in the conference sweepstakes I mean conference a guy who played in a line with Kyle Connor uh, at Michigan I mean he's definitely looking for a raise Ivan Barbashev I've 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 said the Jets should be in on him for a while now but he's going to have a, a lengthy line of suitors so I would think they'll be shopping in the uh, forward rack but uh, they also need to make some moves on their back end to change the mix for one and B they have a bit of a um, log jam there on the back end, especially on the left side.
0: Ken, thanks so much for the time. Always appreciate the chats. I know it was a, a busy weekend and it'll be a busy week. Enjoy it. Uh, can't wait to check you again sometime in the summer once the dust settles a bit. Uh, thank you again for the time today.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for having me and uh, enjoy everything. I'll, I'll look forward to Patty's uh, on the red carpet <laughs> reporting coming up here.
0: Thanks, Kenny. Take care, pal. Cheers. Thank you. Ken Wiebe joining us. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Sportsnet, sportsnet sportsnet.ca. Weeb's World is up there. He's got his latest, as always, on the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, you talk about an exodus in Calgary. What about the exodus in Winnipeg? Uh, You want to talk about, you know, Toffoli not being here, Hannafin, Lindholm in Calgary. What does it look like in Winnipeg if Hellebuck, Shifley, and Dubois are gone? Uh, Calgary picks 18. Excuse me, Calgary picks 16. Winnipeg picks 18. So a lot of weird similarities uh, between these two teams right now. Although it does seem as though uh, Winnipeg's a lot closer to figuring out at least part of it with the Pierre Luc Dubois trade. And as you heard there from Ken, he still has the Kings pegged as the front runner for this deal. Uh, wonders if a, a salary, you know, consideration for his next contract with the, with the LA Kings is what maybe is holding this up for Pierre-Luc Dubois to financially get traded to the LA Kings as they maybe figure out a one-year deal with a lower cap hit. And then Kopitar's deal comes off the books. His money goes down. Dubois goes up. Uh, Some interesting thoughts there from Ken. And yes, there'll be a team to watch, uh, whether it's Mark Scheifele or Connor Hellebuck. It's uh, very eerily similar right now between these two teams. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what the return is when we do finally find out what Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, draws in the open market. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Like uh, can't mention at the end there. We've got our red carpet reporter live in Nashville. Patty is pulling celebrities, NHL execs, anybody he can get his hands on uh, to chat with him for two or three minutes. And uh, we'll play some of that next. We got a Stampede giveaway to do as well as the show goes on. Plus, in hour two, we'll chat with Matty Rose. Stamps fall to the Riders on the weekend. Uh, injuries abound for the Stampeders. Good time for a bye week, but they're 1-2 and two with two losses at home. That's not very good for the Calgary Stampeders that we know under John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson. What did Maddie see from the Stamps over the weekend? We'll get his thoughts on that in Hour 2. That's coming up next. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.